Thank you for joining us. We pray that as you listen today, that you are encouraged and inspired. And we would love for you to connect with us on social media. Now here's today's message. James chapter 4, verse 7. Let's talk about it. Submit yourselves. Submit yourselves. Not your pastor submit you. Not your mom and dad submit you. Submit yourselves. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's my decision. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. Resist him. And he will flee from you. Pastor, the devil's just been attacking me. Don't tell me that. Because you tell on yourself. Because if he's attacking you, it means he's close enough to touch you. Which means if he's close enough to touch you, you haven't resisted him. Because if you resisted him, he couldn't be in your presence. He has to flee from you. All right, let's just have an altar call and go home. That's, that's some, a word some, someone needed to hear already. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, ask him, are you willing to pay the price? Talking about the price of freedom. You may be seated. God's plan, church, for every person on the face of this planet is for them to receive freedom from sin. That was a good place to say amen. I am glad that I am no longer a slave to sin. I am glad that habits don't wake me up in the morning, but mercy wakes me up in the morning. I'm glad that my past doesn't haunt me and chase me, but I'm glad that I've got a future that is settled in Christ. So God's plan for every person is for them to be free from sin and then experience freedom in every area of their life. That's why I know that this series, and when we talk about freedom, we are not just talking about getting saved, because when you get saved, that is not just a one-day experience, but your salvation should excite you every day, because salvation literally opens the door for the benefits of living for God and with God and a real relationship with Christ Jesus. Satan's plan, however, is that every person would be a slave to sin. When you talk about a slave, you're talking about someone who has had their freedom removed, but they are told what to do, how to do it, where to do it, and when to do it. I never plan on going to prison because I don't want, well, there's a lot of reasons I don't want to go to prison, but I don't want someone telling me what I can eat, When I can eat it, when lights are out, I was talking to Pastor Becky today, and one of our favorite spots is Papados. Anybody like Papados? Love Papados. But I I like Popeyes, too. It starts with a P, and it's seafood. I mean, it's it's all for me. Papados, Popeyes, it don't matter. Now, Red Lobster doesn't make the cut. You just get their biscuits. That's all you need from there. And they sell those at H-E-B, praise God. But I was talking to Pastor Becky. She said, I just can't go to Papado's anymore. This Pastor Becky talking. I said, why not? And she's raised Cajun. She said, I can't go to Papado's anymore. It's just I refuse to pay that much money for that food. I said, Pastor Becky, you're 70 years old. This is exactly what I told her between services. I said, you're 70 years old. You're at the time in your life where it doesn't matter what food costs. You should just enjoy it. I said, heck, I'm 41. I'm at that time in my life. I don't care what it costs. I just want to eat it. I don't want someone telling me what I can do, what I can't do, when I can do it, when I can't do it, and where I don't want to be a slave or someone to govern my life like that. But that's what Satan wants to do. Satan wants us to be a slave to sin, meaning that our flesh and that sin dictates every 
every decision we make in our life. But I am glad to say that I'm in a room full of believers, and some are watching today, that we are no longer a slave to sin. We are not driven by sin. We are not controlled by sin. We are not controlled by our, our fallen nature. We are led of the Spirit of God. Don't, don't you see the difference there? Sin drives you, but the Spirit leads you. Sin forces you, but the Spirit compels you. So how does Satan keep us from freedom or rob us of freedom? He does it in four ways. Last session we talked about those. He distracts our mind through things like worry, anxiety, fear, and negativity. He wounds our spirit, depression, hate, unforgiveness, and bitterness. The wrong relationships with people. Those horizontal relationships aren't right. And those horizontal relationships aren't right because the vertical relationship is not right. And so the third thing that he does is he brings us into the wrong people and puts the wrong people around us. But the fourth and the most important is a lack of a real relationship with Jesus is how he robs us, Satan robs us of freedom or steals the freedom that we have. Let's jump into some new material. Freedom Church is never free. It always costs someone something and a price had to be paid. When you look at the cross, church, and you look at the blood-stained cross, and you remember the sacrifice that Jesus made, Jesus paid the price so we wouldn't have to. But here's a greater truth. Jesus paid the price because we could not pay the price. There was nothing we could do. And so God said, son, I'm going to put you on the earth. I'm going to sacrifice you on a cross. You're going to bleed out. You're going to die. You're going to go to hell. You're going to defeat Satan because Brandon can't, Brandon won't, and Brandon's not going to be able to get the job done. But I realized my freedom did not come free, but Jesus paid the price. So what did freedom cost God? It cost him his son. I heard a very popular preacher say that Jesus was the tithe uh, from God to this earth. Jesus wasn't the tithe. For Jesus to be the tithe, God would have had to have ten sons. God did not tithe Jesus. God gave Jesus a hundred percent. His one and only son, he sowed into the earth knowing that for 30 years he was going to live a good life. For three years he was going to minister cure the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils, but he knew that he was going to die a horrific death. When we look at freedom, we are free today because we've got a father that loves us so much that he said, I'm going to sacrifice my one and only so that I can gain billions of sons and daughters. So that's what it cost the father. What did it cost Jesus? His blood and his life. Your freedom was not bought with money. Your freedom was not bought with time. Your freedom was not bought with talent. Our freedom was bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. You just think about that. The Bible says that, that there's no greater friend than a man that would lay down his life for his friends. Can I remind believer and unbelievers alike in the room that God loved you so much that he shed his only begotten son, that Jesus bled for your addiction. Jesus bled for my addiction. He bled for our sickness. He bled for redemption. There was only one thing that, that we 
could have the price paid for, and it was his blood. So it cost God his son, cost Jesus his blood, but what does freedom cost us? That's, that, that's the real question, church, because I see a lot of believers living like their freedom was free. What does that mean? They worship in here on Sunday, and they bump in the clubs on Friday. They worship and have an intimate moment with God on Wednesday night, and then they have an intimate moment with the flavor of the club that night on Friday night. And because they don't think that their freedom costs anything, they do not place value on what God bought with his blood. That's why the Bible would say things like this, church, you are not your own. Do you not know that you were purchased with a price? Understand that your body, my body, is the temple of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. That's why you can't sleep around with everybody. That's why you can't put cocaine up your nose. That's why you can't drink yourself into a stupor. That's why you can't sleep with anything that has a pulse. Why? Because my body, your body, it is not ours. It was purchased with a price. Our freedom, our freedom today, our freedom to worship, our freedom from sin, addiction, sickness, it was purchased with a price. I'm valuable. You're valuable. You know how I know that? God died for you. The, mo the next time you look at yourself and say, no one loves me, oh, yeah, there there's, a lot of there's a lot of people that love you, but even if you can't think of one, let me tell you how much Jesus loved you. He stretched wide on a cross so that you might have eternal life through him. He not only wants your now, he wants to spend every day for forever with you. And so he said, I'll give my blood if I get their life. It cost the father his son. It cost Jesus his blood. But what does it cost us? James 4, 7. Let's go back to the beginning text. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Here's what freedom costs us, church. Submission. This is something that is not taught in a lot of 2023 Western churches because nobody wants to submit. And when we talk about submission, we're not talking about 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. We're not talking about 75 minutes on a Wednesday night. When we talk about submission, we're not talking about running a camera or being an usher twice a month. That's not what we're talking about. Total submission is total submission. There is no such thing as partial submission. You cannot say I'm submitted on Sunday but not on Monday. You cannot say I'm submitted on the mountaintop but not submitted in the valley. You can't say, God, I'm submitted in my relationships but not my money. Or, God, I'm submitted in my money but not my talent. If you are going to say you're submitted to God, God wants every stinking part of your life. He wants my mind, my heart, my spirit, my words. He wants my future, my now. He already has my past. When you say, I want to be submitted to God, what you're saying is, God, from here on out, you call the shots. You direct my steps. You direct my heart. Lord, you choose what I get involved in. To submit, the definition means to yield control. Everybody say yield means to yield control to a more powerful or authoritative entity. There was an old play 
a long time ago called your arms are too short to box with God. I'm here to tell you God is smarter than, than us. God has more wisdom in his pinky than we have in this entire building. We cannot outsmart God. We cannot outwork God. Every good thing that I have that I could tout, it came from God. And so when we talk about yielding, there is only one that you should yield total submission to, and that is Jesus Christ, because he is the only one that is more powerful and authoritative. He's the only entity that can fit that bill. How many of you uh, could, could, could just testify that San Antonio, some of our San Antonio drivers need to go back to driver's education? Just raise your hand. How many of you are sitting next to one? Just raise your hand. Just point at who you're talking to. Just point at them. David, my biggest problem with San Antonio drivers is that they don't know what yield means. And then you get all this construction out here, and it's been a, a certain way for 20 years, and then they put up a new stop sign, yield sign, new street, and everybody loses their mind when it is elementary reading. There is never more than one word on a traffic sign. Stop. Yield. And then there's these magical numbers that you learned before first grade. 15, 25. But this is my problem with yield, church. Most of us think yield means to stop when that's not what yield means. Yield means that you either speed up or you slow down so that you can merge into what is already happening. Oh, I wish I had somebody to help me preach. There is so many of us that God is wanting to do something significant in our lives and use us. And when he calls us to do something great, instead of merging into and yielding to God and what he's doing, we stop and say things like, well, let me pray about it. You don't need to pray about it. God's the one who's telling you. And, and I appreciate, I appreciate when I was in Sunday school, and we've got great Sunday school, so the Glory and her team do tremendous things, 9 a.m. if you've got uh, ages 3 all the way through high school, take them to Sunday school. But I remember distinctly in Sunday school, I remember coloring the picture of Gideon, and we love to talk about how Gideon, how strong he was, and all of these things he did. And Gideon in 300 defeated tens of thousands of Midianites. But you know what Gideon started doing at the very, at the very beginning when God called him? The Bible says he fleeced God. And he laid out a sheep's fleece. And he said, God, if it's you, tomorrow morning, there's going to be dew everywhere else, but my sheepskin's going to be dry. God, in the morning, it's going to be dry everywhere else, but the sheepskin's going to be wet. Let me tell you, if God is talking to you, you don't need to fleece him, question him, pray to him, fast about it. If God's telling you to do it, then do it. I don't got to pray and say, God, should I tell Mandy I love her today? God, should I, should I hug Mandy today? God, should I take Mandy to Disney World in November? Actually, I am praying about that one. I'm praying about that one. But so many times, God is saying, hey, yield to me. Submit to me. Remember, submit yourselves. Yield to me. And a lot of us are stopping when God says, when you stop, you're never going to get into the flow. I know some of you used to jump double dutch. 
Y'all remember jumping double dutch? Your boy used to do it every now and then. But those, 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 those ropes are going, and, and this is you. And we laugh, but some of us have been living like that all year. God's saying, jump in. I, I, I don't know if I can do it, God, if I tell you to jump, jump in. If I tell you to serve, serve. If I tell you to love, love. If I tell you to give, give. Quit stopping when I've asked you to submit. I got, I got to go. I, I need to preach it like I wrote it real quick. Some of us have made the mistake of thinking we must stop before we yield to the Spirit of God. When the reality is we cannot stop damaging behavior until we yield. Let me break it down like this. Some of us have said, when I quit smoking cigarettes, I'll start serving. When I quit smoking dope, I'll start this. When I quit, when I get my life together, I'm going, when I stop, I will yield. God says, you're never going to yield if you have to stop. I just need you to jump into what I'm doing. Yield to my spirit. Yield and submit to me. Yield and submit to the authoritative entity that I am. And my spirit will help you stop. Submit yourselves to God. Manny and I got married. She was 17. I was 21. I remember the first two or three months of, of getting married, Mandy put up with a lot of her, her friends from high school because she was still in high school at the time. A lot of her friends in high school, we were married, and, and so they'd be going to the river for the, for the week or they'd be going to the lake for Memorial Day or whatever, and they would say, hey, Mandy, you, you want to come with us? She would say, let me check with Brandon first. And, and let me just tell you this, I don't need to give my wife permission to do anything. Thank you for that clap. I'm not giving her permission to live. She's not asking me, can she go out and hang out with her friends? What she is doing is, it's called a grown-up relationship, and we had that at 17 and 21. Hey, do we have any plans this week? Hey, do you think it'd be cool? What do you think? What are your thoughts? This is what I want to do. What? That's how a grown-up relationship works. And I remember her, her friends would make fun of her. you got to ask your husband for permission. She said, no, when I got married to a man of God, I submitted to him, and he is worthy to submit to because he follows God. And as long as he follows God, I'm going to follow him. Can I encourage you? You're submitting to God. You're not submitting to a church. You're not submitting to a pastor. You're not submitting to a team. You're not submitting to the Pope. You're not submitting to Mother Teresa. You're not submitting to a nun. You're not submitting to a denomination. You're not submitting to a political affiliation. You're not submitting to none of that. You are submitting to God. And I want you to, like Paul said, I want you to follow us as we follow Christ. But if I ever quit following Christ, quit following me and keep following Christ, it's called submission. You're not submitting to us. When you join Living Way Church, you're not submitting to us. We don't control you. We, we don't control your every move. We have expectations. We want to serve in excellence. But when you said yes to Living Way, you said yes to God, and God brought you to Living Way. When you said, hey, I want to teach a Sunday school class. I want to run a camera. I want to sing on Sunday mornings. You're not submitting to us. You're not submitting to Living Way Collective. You are submitting to God. Now listen, I wish you were submitting to me because submitting to God is a lot bigger deal than you submitting to me. See, that's, that's where all the clapping is going to stop. At the end of the day, you wish you submitted to man because man's imperfect. 
And so when they mess up, you can throw your hands in and say, I'm out. They messed up. I'm not. But when you submit to God, God is never going to be the problem. So when I submit to God, listen, check this out. When I submit to God and my leadership falls short, I pray for my leaders, but I'm still in step with God. But if I'm submitted to leaders and not to God and my leaders mess up, I'm now messed up because I put my submission in someone's hands that did not deserve or were worthy of my submission. Single ladies, find a man who is submitted to God, and you will never have a problem submitting to him. Let me say that again. All the married folks should be clapping their hands. All the single folk, actually the single ladies, young men, you got a a big, big job ahead of you. But find a a man that is submitted to God, and you'll never have a problem submitting to him. Submit yourselves, then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submission, church, is resisting. We must submit to God, and when we are in full submission to God, Just the act of submission, church, I love this. When I submit to God, I'm killing two birds with one stone. When I fully submit to God, I'm resisting the adversary. So as I draw close to God in submission, the enemy literally has to flee. So submitting to God leads to resisting the devil. Resisting the devil leads to evicting the devil because he cannot stay, which leads to freedom. If you want to be free in your life, submit to God. If you want to be free in your finances, submit to God. If you want freedom in your marriage, submit to God. If you want freedom in any area of your life, submit to God in that area. Every time, I love this church, every time you obey God, the devil must leave. Every act of obedience to God. You get closer to God, the devil gets further from you. Every time you obey. But here's the other side of that coin. We are all submitted, church, to something. That's a scary thought or an exciting thought. There is never a moment in your life that you are not in submission which means you are either totally submitted to God or you are totally submitted to the adversarial forces of this world. To submit to the enemy is giving away your victory and freedom because if submitting is yielding control to a more powerful and authoritative entity, you have now given control to a less powerful or authoritative entity. When you submit to God, God is worthy and deserves that submission because there is no one like Jesus. He is a God all by himself, big G. All the other gods are little G. They're still dead. They're still in the grave. They have not done anything, but our God is eternal. Our God was here from the beginning of time. Our God will be, he's the alpha and the omega. Our God is that God. That's the God I want to submit to. But understand this, if I'm not in submission to him, I'm in submission to something else. And at the end of the day, church, it really doesn't matter what the something else is. It is lesser than. And you have now taken the keys to your freedom, your victory, and you've handed them to something lesser. Every time you give in to the adversary and do what he says, which is obedience, you are separated from the presence of God. 
And you don't have to go very far in the Bible to see that played out. Just ask Adam and Eve. The moment that you give in to the adversary and you become submitted to him. And again, if submission is always happening in your life, you're always obedient to something and some voice. Just better make sure it is God's voice. James chapter 4, 8, draw nigh to God. I got just a couple moments left. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God made the first move, church, when he sent his only begotten son. God made us. That was his first move. Man sinned, that was his move. God sent Jesus, that was his move. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, God is waiting on your move. I grew up playing checkers with my grandfather, and I, I don't know if I ever beat my granddad, and, and he was a great checker player, but the one thing I remember him teaching me from the very get-go is, Brandon, you can never move two times in a row. I move, then you move, then I move, then you move. Some of us have gotten caught playing checkers with God, and we're expecting God to move two, three, four, five times without us doing anything. But if you are going to be in submission to God, if you are going to yield control to God, he moves, then I move. Then he moves, then we move. Then he moves, then we move. Maybe you've been stuck in 2023 because you're expecting God to move a second time to your zero time. But I'm here to encourage the church and call us to a, a call of action today. It's time that you make a move of obedience. You make a move of yielding. You make a move of submission. Jesus draws close to us and we draw close to him. He says when you do this, he said there's three things that happen when we get closer to Jesus. Our flesh, our heart, and our mind are changed. Clean your hands, purify your hearts, you double-minded. When we lean into God and God leans into us, we eradicate any place for the enemy.